Let's set the scene. It's the end of the year and there's a handful of things you have to get out of the way before you can finally be free. Finals, your remaining dining dollars, and oh yeah, those annoying course evaluations. You probably sigh and roll your eyes when taking these evaluations and then mindlessly submit them so you can move on to the next task. But have you ever thought about how these evaluations are used or what they actually mean for professors? Really? Have you thought about what it means to be a professor at all? But not only that, lecturing during a global pandemic. And to get even more specific, a professor that identifies as female at a university where higher leadership is majority male. This week, we talked with some of these women. From the Auburn Plainsman, this is Sweet 1111. I'm Katie Carroll. And I'm Reagan Moss. Stay with us. I can change the way I teach. I cannot change the way I am. Hey, this is Miley, podcast editor for the Auburn Plainsman. If you like this podcast and would like to support this organization and our team, you can visit our website at theplainsman.com and click on the button in the upper right-hand corner that says Donate. You'll be supporting over 127 years of local, editorially independent journalism right here in Auburn. Thank you so much in advance. Now back to the show. The voice you heard before the music was from Dr. Vanessa Falco, professor in biochemistry. Not only is Falco a professor, but she also has two young kids. It's always hard to balance work and be a parent, but she said with the pandemic, it was especially tough. Definitely being a parent through the pandemic was harder, especially if you had kids at school. So even though it was super hard because being a parent with two kids that are six and eight that were during kindergarten and second grade virtual nightmare, working until 5 a.m. to start teaching at eight, because I needed to have time to prep classes only after my kids go to bed. It was like unbelievable toll in, I think, my health, but at least we all survived and I think it, it made everyone as a group grow a lot. Falco said she averaged about two hours of sleep a night. She pointed out that many of her female colleagues didn't have kids, so their experience was a little different. And in, in the lectures, we are mainly women and only Three of us have kids, so obviously we had more difficulties. Because of commonly held ideas about parental roles, women are often expected to take on the majority of childcare. Although this didn't affect Falco because she said she had a supportive partner, she recognizes that many of her colleagues have had a different experience. So I cannot complain that it's so much gender related in this mm-hmm. situation because I have a very support, uh, supportive partner. But yeah, I, I think definitely for a lot of people, my experience maybe have been different. Okay. Being a woman, it was a bigger toll, definitely. But Falco found the silver lining in this hardship of teaching during the pandemic. Students and teachers were able to cultivate a deeper sense of empathy for one another. So I, I think like there are so many things related to the pandemic and going virtual sometimes that... A lot of them knew uh, from their professors when they saw their personal life and how struggling was through the pandemic. So they could relate that they were struggling, but we were struggling. And so we became more humans in some way for the for the students teaching online. And surprisingly, Falco noticed that this empathy bled into course evaluations. And incredibly, even though it was super tough, I think it had a, such a positive way in the evaluations. I always say that it, like it's really 
sarcastic in some way that my better, my best of all evaluation was the first semester of the pandemic. But that leaves the question, what was the experience of female professors before the pandemic and how will that likely shift now that classes are back in person? We'll be right back. Hi, this is Trice Brown, multimedia editor for The Plainsman, and here's your news for the week. Last week, 188 positive COVID-19 cases were self-reported by Auburn students and employees. This marks a decrease from the first two weeks of classes, where 424 and 360 cases were reported, respectively. Last Thursday, the first black student to enroll at Auburn, Harold A. Franklin, died at the age of 88. Franklin enrolled as a graduate student in 1964. The administration denied him the chance to defend his master's thesis, which he wrote in 1969. Last year, Franklin defended his original thesis, which the university finally accepted. And last Friday, the Auburn University Board of Trustees approved the installation of a plaque in front of Wallace Hall to contextualize its name. Wallace Hall was named the former Alabama governor and self-described segregationist George Wallace. The plaque describes the, quote, complexity of Wallace's legacy, end quote, including his racist history and later apologies for segregationist words and deeds. There is currently no timeline set for the plaque's installation. This has been your news for the week. And now, back to the show. Dr. Janelle Plattenberg started teaching in Auburn University's Department of Communication and Journalism in the fall of 2019. She had one complete semester teaching in person before going remote. She said that her responsibilities and experience as a professor during the pandemic did not change based on her gender, especially since she doesn't have children. I went home, I taught synchronously the entire time. So for me, it wasn't, life was not Life was different, but it wasn't in terms of my teaching. It wasn't completely just, you know, brand new because it was almost as if I was still in the classroom because we would meet at a certain time. Um, I'd go through my teaching. Students could engage. I mean, the Zoom thing is a whole other discussion, how that operates. But like for me, it wasn't vastly different. Rather, Plattenberg pointed out that being a female professor has challenges that have long predated the pandemic. I think that women professors um, sometimes get caught in this idea of kind of like a, they're seen as mothers, they're seen as aunts. Even if you don't have children, you still get that same kind of um, like perspective or viewpoint from students. And there's nothing wrong with that per se, but I feel like sometimes students use that as an excuse to to act in ways toward that professor that they wouldn't act toward a male professor. Plattenberg said that this is extremely clear when looking at what titles students use to address female professors versus their male colleagues. Sometimes it's not even using proper titles. Maybe sometimes it's miss or misses. Um, even if you're not married, you'd still get misses. And so instead of doctor, as they would call male colleagues doctor, and I've seen that happen in my own experience. Falco echoed these comments. Always miss, right? Instead of doctor, that it comes when you're a woman a lot of times. They will call you Miss Falcone instead of Dr. Falcone. And it's like, it is in my email. It is in the syllabus how you should call me. Plattenberg recalls one such instance where a student at a previous university she taught at refused to spell her name correctly. I had a student one time who refused to spell my name right. 
and it was journalism, mass communication, you know, like major student just absolutely refused to spell my name right. One time I called the student out yet again, and it wasn't anything mean. It's just like, this is journalism. We spell people's names right. And the very least you could do is spell my name right. The student got up, walked out of class, and went to go complain that I was bullying them because I asked them to spell my name right. And so it's like the the audacity <laughs> that one would feel to feel entitled to, to have that complaint that you don't have to even spell my name right. Like that's problematic for you. Like those type of things just, yeah, they just, those are bad days. Beyond that, Plattenberg also says that student evaluations play into situations like this. And then like that the same student will go and write on the evaluation that she, you know, all kind of like negative things. But that's like a personal biased opinion from that student based on, the fact that I, I, you felt like I, I was wrong to ask you to spell my name right. And so there's just things like that that occur in this job that like I don't think people see. And again, women professors, like we get that like 10 times over. She said that often the criticism on peer evaluations is not constructive about her actual teaching style nor the content of her class. And female professors tend to get picked apart from everything, from what they wear. One time someone told me that I didn't smile enough in class. And like literally like someone, <laughs> I've gotten all kind of like things that have nothing to do with the caliber of my teaching per se, have nothing to do with uh, my education or qualifications, but literally I didn't shuck and jive or entertain enough to their liking. Dr. Elizabeth Larson, associate professor in the School of Communication, said that it's important to look at the language on peer evaluations for an indication of the difference of mentality on students' part between their male and female professors. Yeah, it'd be like, like you know, female, you, you, you get adjectives like, oh, she was, she was a really nice professor, or, you know, I really, you know, I really enjoyed talking to her, she was really kind, she was a good listener, you know, and then the male colleagues will get sort of like, oh, he's really knowledgeable, he knows a lot about his subject, Falco said that her chair noted a tradition for underrepresented groups, especially women, to be picked on in course evaluations. So his advice was dress very professionally. And in my head, it was just like, what is wrong about the way I dress? Why do I need to change the way I dress? Obviously, the, the point is not me dressing differently probably shouldn't change the way I'm treated. Plattenberg strongly encourages students to consider how important these evaluations actually are. These evaluations are a very small part of a bigger picture that deeply affects professors' professional and personal lives. But I don't think students always realize that like those evaluations go into making decisions about um, whether you get to keep your job. And so like if I have a student who is disgruntled or because they, I don't know, for whatever reason, like that's literally tied to my livelihood, right? Because like, if I'm got, if I'm getting a lot of evaluations, then founded or unfounded, um, I could possibly lose my job. Now I can't pay my bills. Now I can't feed myself. Student evaluations factor into whether or not professors are considered for tenure. Plattenberg also says that professors have to conduct a certain amount of research to be on track for tenure, which has disproportionately affected women during the pandemic. So if you're on a tenure track um, position, you have um, X amount of years to get tenure um, 
think it's six years to get tenure. And so because everything stopped last year, like research was not able to get done. Um, we didn't even know like if we were going to get to go outside again. Like they gave us an extra year to get to get that. And so I know that in some for some in some cases, like that extra year may have been not necessary for some people. And so for women who do have children or women who just have more responsibilities related to gender, because it was offered to men and women, but just specifically speaking for women, um, that extra year could be seen as very helpful to them. So despite gender differences and the obstacles that female and male faculty faced in light of the pandemic, they were given the exact same exceptions. Men had less obstacles, but the same amount of time. This would give them a chance to get ahead instead of evening the playing field. Ultimately, this means that in the long-term tenure process, many male professors who had less domestic responsibility, especially when it comes to childcare, will be more likely to be considered for tenure than their female counterparts. But you can't have a conversation about how gender affects professors' course evaluations without recognizing another important aspect of identity, race and ethnicity. Here's Falco. Your evaluations are looking going to look different based on who you are. And Larson added, one group tends to get ahead through evaluations. Yeah, if, you're a white, if you're a white male faculty member, your course evaluations are going to be way better. Plattenberg also noted that this has impacted her firsthand. Yes, I'm a woman, but I'm also a black woman. And so race, I feel, also plays a large part in some of my experiences. Despite some female professors experiencing elevated difficulty during the pandemic, especially those with children, they have had a unique experience in academia long before COVID-19, like disproportionate course evaluations. Even in light of obstacles related to identity, faculty express their commitment to students' education regardless of who they are. It doesn't matter what your race, your sex orientation, your gender identification, your social status, we are all students here and we're all community and I'm here to support your learning. From the Auburn Plainsman, this has been Sweet 1111. I'm Katie Carroll. And I'm Reagan Moss, signing off. See you next week.